what's happening uh, in the next couple of weeks. I want to just talk to you a little bit uh, about the miraculous. And I want to set this up. And we've got, as I mentioned, a couple of things. I, I really want this to be uh, an internal thing for you. And, and the, in Romans chapter 8, 11, it says this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You're going to hear this verse every week because I want this to sink in. I think that when we think about Easter, the tendency is, the resurrection, the tendency is to think of it as an event that happened. And it is something that, it's kind of like an anniversary or like a birthday or, or some other, uh, uh, you know, the 4th of July, that it was an, 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 an historical event that happened. And it certainly is that, but it's much more than that. Notice again what Paul said, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, that's the resurrection. That's the resurrection life. The spirit of uh, uh, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Look at the person next to you and say, the resurrection is in you. Notice again, he said that that Spirit lives in you, and just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. This is a reality that you can walk in every single day. That the same spirit, that life spirit that's in you, right, that was in you because of the new birth is that same power that raised up Jesus from the dead. In John chapter 11, verse 25, and, and this is kind of cherry-picked from the middle of a story that we're going to be talking about in different ways this morning. But in John eleven twenty-five, 25, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to notice, Jesus didn't say that the resurrection is a holiday, Jesus didn't say that the resurrection is a day that we get together with family and friends and eat ham and eat Easter eggs and candy, although nothing wrong with ham, Easter eggs, and candy. But he said that's not the focal point. It's not an, a historical event. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He, he, what he basically was saying, it's not a day, it's not a celebration, it's a person, and I'm the person. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that becomes the central question of this day. Do you believe this? That was the responsive time of our sermon this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the Amen. All right, good, good, good. I, I guess we're in the right place. Thank you. Whew, made me a little bit nervous for just a moment there. But a couple of thoughts from this particular verse. Again, he said, I'm the resurrection of the life. He said to her, well, who was he talking to? And why was he saying this? Why was this so important to say this at this moment? Well, number one, he was talking to Martha. Uh, Martha's brother, Lazarus, had died. And she was obviously struggling with that. There, there, was a, there was a conflict. Jesus, you're the one who meets the needs and you're all powerful, but you didn't show up. And, and Jesus was trying to encourage her in this point. And, and so we're gonna talk about this in a couple of different ways this morning, but let me just give you a quick little background. In John chapter 11 and verse one, it says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. I'm gonna ask the worship team, if you guys would come this morning, uh, they're going to they're gonna give voice to this particular story at a song in just a moment. But let me just set it up for you like this. Again, a man named Lazarus was sick. How many of you have heard the story of Lazarus before? All right, good, about half of you. It'll sound familiar pretty soon. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. 
Now, he's giving us a little bit of backstory here. He's helping us to understand that there was a relationship that was here. There was a relationship that had formed because of some other things. They, he wants us to understand the depth of relationship and, and the depth of feeling and meaning. This wasn't just a stranger. <coughs> and so, verse 3, so the sister sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, sent, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. The one you love is sick. And we're, we're gonna talk about the miraculous in this particular series. And, and, and one of the biggest hurdles for people to get over when it comes to this whole idea of the miraculous is, is really what motivates the heart of God towards the miraculous? What is it that, that moves God's heart? I think a lot of people think that if I've lived good enough, then perhaps maybe God would do a miracle for me. If, if I haven't really done too much wrong, haven't ticked God off, haven't ticked other people off, if I've lived, you know, if I've read the Bible, if I've been to church enough, can I tell you this morning, those things don't move the heart of God? And some people have thought, well, you know, if anybody deserves a miracle, it's so-and-so. Do you know how much you deserve a miracle? It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I mean, it's important to, you know, be pleasing to God in our life, but that isn't as important as, as perhaps other things when it comes to the miraculous. Notice in verse 3 again, they said, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Can I tell you this morning, I think the most exciting thing is the thing that moves God's heart when it comes to the miraculous is God's heart of love. He loves you, and that's why he wants to move on your behalf. It's not because you're good enough. It's not because you deserve it. It's not because of those other things, but it is because God is a compassionate, loving God, and he has brought his power to planet Earth through not an event called the resurrection, but through a person named the resurrection, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who died, conquered death, hell, and the grave, and now is alive and seated at the right hand of God where he's ever living to make intercession for you and for me. And so in this story this morning, I want you to picture yourself, how would it have felt if you'd have been Mary or Martha? And it seemed like Jesus had let you down because we'll find out in that story, that's what happened. And then what about Lazarus who, he's dead and gone and then he hears the words of Jesus saying, come out, come out. And so, worship team, if you would, this morning. You stood outside my grave. I'm not afraid, I see you. 
a hit. Thank you, guys. I hope this morning that what we share in this particular series this morning, that it stirs something up in you. Our God is a God who is not, the Bible tells us his ear is not heavy that it can't hear. His hand isn't shortened that it cannot save. That our God is a miracle working God. There wasn't an age or a day of miracles. There wasn't a time of miracles. There is a God of miracles and he is not gone. He is not dead. He is not uh, uh, powerless. And, and, and there are some things that we can do and there are some things that we need to understand when it comes to the miraculous. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about Lazarus this morning. And again, many of you are familiar with that particular story, and I'm not going to go into a lot of the detail. I think that a lot of times we know the end of the story, and we assume that because we know the end, we know enough about it. But I want to set up a couple of things because it really speaks to us when it comes to asking God and believing God for things. It really, I believe, speaks to us about uh, uh, some things that can really help us. And so we pick up the story again. Remember that it was love that moved the heart of Jesus. And, and, and they appealed to God's love or his love for Lazarus, first of all. And in verse 5, it says this, John chapter 11 or verse 5. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, remember they came, hey, Lazarus is sick. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he immediately went to them and healed him, Right? No, that's not what it says. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he didn't go there. He spoke the word only, and Lazarus was made well. No. What does it say? It says that, that immediately he heard that when Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was for two more days. Now, I don't know about Jesus sometimes. And you're going to find in this whole story, there's some things that Jesus does that just does not make sense. And it really, it's stuff that, that we should really have, have considered and thought about, but a lot of times when it comes to prayer and believing God, miraculous, whatever uh, uh, you know, way you want to look at that, there are many times that, that, that we kind of fail to see this, and, and you'll see some of our errors in this, but it says that he, that, that he stayed where he was for two more days. Why would he do that? Why would he wait? Why would he not move and act right away? And I think that if we're really, really honest, all of us have felt this from time to time. How many of you have ever gone to God with your spreadsheets, your graphs, you've got everything figured out, and you say, you know what, God, I have this need, and I've already got it figured out. You're not going to have to spend any mental power at all on this. I have it figured out exactly the way that it should happen. It should happen like this, 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 and this. And how many of you ever realized that, you know, it's like two days later, God hadn't showed up yet? Anybody ever had that feeling before? It's like, I have a plan, God. If you just do the plan, if you just do it the way I think you should do it, uh, it's going to be good, and you're going to get all kinds of glory out of it, and people are going to be happy about it. But here's the thing. We don't always understand how God works. And there are sometimes things that God wants us to learn in the process. There are some things that God has a better idea about than you do, believe it or not. I have my favorite saying that, that, you know, one of the best things I've ever learned, God's smarter than I am. God's smarter than I am. And he might have a little bit of a different plan or perhaps a different way of doing something. And so when this story picks up, he knows what the problem is. He knows what the need is. And he also knows that what's going to happen is going to bring him great honor and glory as well. But the problem is nobody else knows that yet. Nobody else can quite see exactly what's going on. And we skip down to verse 11. 
And it says this, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, he's talking to his disciples now, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Now, I don't know how many times this happened where God says one thing meaning something else, and we kind of miss the whole idea of what he's trying to get over to us. And so then, (coughs) verse 13, it says, (coughs) excuse me, Speaking of Lazarus, come on, boys. <laughs> Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly that Lazarus is dead. Now, I don't know why exactly. I mean, we can give a lot of thought to why perhaps he had said he's only asleep first. And, and I think partly it's because God views death differently than you and I view death. God views death as, as we view it as something that is final. We do it as the We see it as the ultimate separation that we will never see that person again. But God sees it differently. Death simply means separation. Physical death is separation from this physical life. But it doesn't mean that you cease to exist. And so for God, uh, you know, death is a transition. For you and I, it seems to be something that is final. And we begin to, and, and really we see that in this story. And it's something I want to have you think about this morning because there are things that are dead around you that you may not have ever thought could come back to life again. But you need to know this morning that death is never final with God. See, death is never final with God. And I, I think I'm going to say some things to you this morning that for some of you, you've never heard some of these things before. You've been, you've been taught that, that miracles don't ever really happen anymore or it's some kind of just unexplainable nice thing that happens on a Hallmark movie. But for God to actually intervene and do something, that's just the fo- most foreign thought that you could ever think of. Because you think that you're just here to live life and you're just here to get by as best as you can. But I don't want you to forget what Romans 8, 11 says, the same spirit, that resurrection life lives in you and it will make your body alive. It will do something in you on a daily basis if we believe because the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person and that person's made his home on the inside of you. And so, and so again, we see Jesus plainly tell them he's dead. And the disciples are like, well, we might as well go there and die too. Don't know exactly what's going to happen here. So in verse 17, on his arrival, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Everybody say four days. Very significant here. The Jewish custom was they believed that the spirit of a person would hang around that person for about three days. But by the fourth day, that spirit was gone. There was no hope. There was no way that that person was coming back. Everything was done. There was no hope at all that there could ever be life again. And so Jesus waited an extra couple of days to make sure that the four days had passed, again, compounding something that was difficult to something that was impossible. You want to know the one thing that every miracle has in common? It starts out as a problem. We all want to have miracles happen, but none of us want to have any problems happen. But every miracle starts out as something that is impossible. And so if you're going to have miracles in your life, you're going to have to face some impossible things in your life. Now it says in verse 18, and and I think this is sort of just sort of kind of like just to rub it in a little bit. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. In other words, it shouldn't have taken too long for Jesus to get there, but he he spent a couple extra days there. He took his time to get there. Uh, Adding to the question, Jesus, where were you? Jesus, how come you didn't show up? Jesus, how come you didn't meet the need when the need was there? 
And I think in this whole thing, what he's really saying is don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. Verse 18 again, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And I think this is so significant. Martha heard that Jesus was there. She ran out. Man, she's the one constant in this thing that she seemed to have some faith. She seemed to believe. She seemed to, she seemed to have some expectation. Mary had given up. After all, it had been four days. There's no hope. Nothing can happen. Nothing, there's, there's nothing at all that can, that, that can change the circumstances. And she's, she's sad. Other people are around her. They're all mourning and they're all grieving because death has come and death has taken up its final place in that home. And, and, and so I want to ask you this question this morning. Are there areas of your life where your hope is gone, where it's been four days? You've asked God and you've thought God, you know, you've given God a plan, you've given God a scenario, and it didn't happen. It's like, I quit, I give up. Because with, with God, death is never final. Death is never final with him. And there might be things in your life that you think are dead. It might be a relationship, it might be a career track, it might be uh, you know, family, I, I don't know what it is, but there might be things that you're thinking, man, it's just dead, there's no hope, it's, it, it's just, this is just the way that life is going to be. And so, <laughs> Psalm 77 says this, you are, we heard it sung, you're a miracle working God. You are, not you were, not you used to be, not you might be. You are the God of miracles and wonders and you still demonstrate your awesome power. God is, not God was, God is. And I wanna encourage you this morning in that. In fact, I would love to have you just remind yourself every day this week, God, you are. You're a God of miracles. You're a God of wonder. You're a God of power. You're a God of life. You're a God that death is not final, but life is the final, the final power that you have. And so <clears throat> we need to understand, here's Martha. Martha was the one person that seemed to have some belief, and I think it was because of this. In verse 27, uh, she said this about Jesus. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Her faith was in the Lord Jesus Christ. She believed that he was the anointed one, the, 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 the Son of God that had been promised, the Messiah. She was grounded in that belief. And for you and I... There will be things that will happen in this life that will shake us to our very core. But the one thing that we can never lose sight of is who Jesus is. We can never lose sight of his power. We, can, we, we must settle the issue. And every single man, woman, and child needs to settle this issue of who Jesus really, really is. Was he a historical figure? Was he like some people say, well, you know, Jesus was a son of God just like, you know, Buddha was a son of God and Muhammad was a son of God and Confucius was a son of God and we're all children of God. You need to settle something, that, that Jesus is the only 
begotten Son of God. He is who God said he is. He is his one Son that he sent to this earth to carry out the plan of redemption. He shed his blood as he died upon a cross, and he was buried in the ground. And then the Spirit of life, the Spirit of God, came into him, and the de- and death and the grave and sin's power was all broken in his life, and he became a life-giving Spirit that gave life to every single human being who would believe in him, settle who he is, but there's something else. She replied, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And and this is key when it comes to miracles. She had an expectancy from God, but not an expectation of God. And there's there's really, I believe anyway, there's really a big difference in the two. She had an expectancy of God, but not from God, but not of God. And sometimes what we can do when it comes to asking God for things, believing God for things, sometimes what happens is that we create a scenario where we're almost trying to manipulate God into our situation. I remember one time I have a minister friend, or had a minister friend, he's passed away now, gone home to be with the Lord, but... He, he was talking about driving to a meeting. His wife was driving the car. He was going to speak. And, and uh, I've shared this story before. Some of you have heard this, but just bear with me. For those that haven't, um, he said the Spirit of God almost on the inside. It was like the Lord said, over the next hill, you're going to see a tractor. He thought that's unusual. So he began to look in the fields and driving through Arkansas and didn't see a tractor anywhere. The only thing he saw was a semi pass him. And, and then that was it. They got to where the meeting was. And he was kind of questioning. He said, Lord... I thought you said I'd see a tractor. He said, you did see a tractor. And he said, no, I don't remember seeing a tractor. He goes, yeah, it was, it was pulling that semi-trailer. That, that was the tractor. That, and, and he said, oh, I thought you meant a, I thought you meant a farm tractor. And, and, and he said, it was like the Spirit of God said, I'm not obligated to move on what you thought I said. And sometimes when we have an expectation of God that, God, you're going to do this, 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 and this, or, or from God, you're going you're gonna to do these things in this way. When that doesn't happen, the way that we thought it was going to happen, sometimes we lose heart and we lose hope and we give up. But we need to have a perhaps sometimes a broader focus when it comes to God that says, God, I, I don't know exactly how this is gonna end, but I believe this. You've never seen the righteous forsaken and his seed have never been left begging bread. I believe that you're for me and that you're not against me. I believe that you're on my side and I believe that somehow, some way, that death is not gonna get the final word, that death in my finances or death in my relationship or death in my career or death in whatever way, that it's not going to have the final word. But instead, God, you're going to turn it in such a way that something powerful is going to happen and I'm not going to get glory from it. You're going to get glory from it because the devil's a liar. The Bible tells us that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so Jesus says to to her in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered and said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus is trying to help her to see something. She believes in the resurrection. She believes in the Messiah. But he says, I want you to see something in a little bit different way. Martha was looking at the resurrection as an event that needed to happen for her brother to have life. But Jesus wanted her to see the resurrection in a totally new way. And in this series, that's my prayer, that you and I would see the resurrection in a totally new way. Not as an event, because Jesus went on in verse 25, Jesus said to her again, I am the resurrection and the life. 
it isn't a day, it isn't an event, it is a person who fulfilled every obligation of the high court of heaven so that God's power could be made known to you and to me. And so it is not a day of resurrection, but a being, a person of resurrection whose home is on the inside of you. And again, he said, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that's my question this morning. Not God, can you do what I think you should do, A, B, C, D, but God, can you bring life to the dead areas of my life? Can you bring resurrection to the dead places physically, to the dead places relationally, to the dead places in my soulish realm where I'm so discouraged and disappointed? Can you bring life to those other areas of, of, of my total part of life that it seems like it's four days? that it seems like there's no hope, that it seems that life can't be anything other than what is. Can you let go long enough to believe? Here's the thing. When you begin to step out and ask God to do some stuff, believe him for some stuff, don't be surprised if you're asked to do something that doesn't make sense. And this is always one of the most difficult things. Listen to what Jesus does, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the one who was believing. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there four days. Now, all jokes aside of everything that was going on, this, this is one of those things that when I get to heaven, I kind of want to watch happen. Because I just kind of wonder sometimes if Jesus has a sense, a subtle sense of humor, or if he just goes about just business tasks, just boom, boom, boom. If he's like, I wonder how they'll react when I tell them to take the stone away. That would be kind of funny. I don't know. I, I just am curious about what, how was Jesus operating in that particular moment when, when all of that happened. But, but, but don't be surprised when he says, you know what, I need you to do something that is going to seem just a little bit strange. Remember, Jesus said this, I'm going to feed the 5,000. You guys are going to feed them, but I want them to sit down in groups of 50. Does groups of 50 make miracles easier? Probably not, but for some reason. But for some reason, God being maybe a God of order, he, he asked them to do that. He said to Peter, step out of the boat. That makes absolutely no sense at all. Cast your net on the other side. That doesn't make any sense. You've not been catching fish during the best time of the day. Then why, then why do you think you're going to catch fish by just throwing the net over on the other side? Give the very last bit of oil that you can give. That makes no sense. Forgive somebody that doesn't deserve it. Makes no sense. Let go of the guilt from the past. doesn't make any sense. Jesus said to the one person, stretch out your hand. Oh, I can't do that. Rise up and walk. I've not been able to walk. He's always asking us to do something we think we can't do to prove to us that he can do what he said that he would do. And so don't be surprised. When you're asked to do something that seems a little bit difficult, that seems, why would I do that? Maybe it's getting involved in a small group. Well, that doesn't make sense. But that might be the catalyst, just that one thing. 
Just that one thing might be the catalyst that would be the domino <coughs> that would propel you into something that God has for you. And so I think my thought in all of that is quit trying to figure everything out. Quit trying to help God out. Hey Amen. Just, just, just <laughs> have an expectancy. God, I don't get it. I don't know. But I still believe you'll win. I still believe you're bigger than everything else that is going on. And so <coughs> this story comes to its ultimate conclusion in verse 43. It says, when he had said this, Jesus called out and called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And so, you know, my question, are there areas of your life that has been four days? Areas of your life that you're pretty sure aren't coming back to life? That it is what it is. And there's really not much hope. And I want you to think about those areas for just a moment. Because I believe this. I believe that if you'll listen for a minute, you're going to hear Jesus saying, come out. Don't stay in the place of the dead any longer. You don't have to stay in that dead place because life is in you. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you and will make your bodies alive. There's a life that is in you that is more powerful and a force that is more powerful in you that the devil could not hold, that the devil couldn't do anything about. And so you have a choice this morning. You really, really do. You have a choice to believe and stay in the place of the dead or you can step out. Because I believe that Jesus is calling. I believe that he's saying, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I believe that he's saying, you can cast every single care on me because I care for you. I love you with an everlasting love. I believe that he is saying that if you'll just give me a chance, if you'll just believe again, if you will just step out. And notice that he not only, Lazarus not only stepped out of the place of the dead, but then those grave clothes were holding. He was alive on the inside, just like a lot of Christians. They're alive on the inside, but they're still wearing dead clothes. They're still wearing dead stuff. They're still wearing life or death, uh, the 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 stuff from this world rather than living resurrection stuff. And, 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 and when he was saying this, even though you're alive on the inside, you look dead on the outside. We need to shake some of that stuff off. Shake some of that stuff off and let that life of God on the inside be defined by the life that's in you, not the death that's around you. Come on, church. Amen. And so... There's a, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come and, and the way we're gonna end this, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know where all of you guys are at, but <laughs> we're gonna worship God at the end and, and this is a song, Steph and I were talking and it's about miracles and this song is going to be done every week. It's a new song, but, but we will do it every week and I want it to be a reminder and I want it to get into your heart and I want it to get on the inside of you and here's how I wanna close this morning. We're gonna close with prayer, but... But before we get there, I want you to just quietly begin to think about the areas of your life where it's been four days, and it's impossible. And then I want you to begin to 
apply faith and begin to just slowly say, God, you know, I, I, I want to believe, but man, it hurts and it's hard and, and I'm not sure. And, and, and maybe you had preconceived ideas. Maybe you had some thoughts about how it should happen and it didn't happen in that way. You know, there's a, uh, how many of you have ever heard of Death Valley, California? Death Valley is called Death Valley because nothing grows there. They get less than two inches of rainfall every year in Death Valley. And so uh, it's one of the hottest places in America, hottest places on the planet. Nothing can grow there at all, but something really pretty powerful happened, pretty miraculous happened. And, and um, in 2004 to 2005, it received six inches of rain. And what happened in that six inches, when that rain fell, it began to nurture something that nobody, nobody knew was even there. And in 2000, it was called the great bloom of 2005. And what was dead suddenly burst into life. What nobody thought could have any life at all in it suddenly began to bloom and to blossom. And it was such a prolific bloom, I guess, so, so big because of all the moisture that they had, that there were flowers that were growing that people hadn't ever seen in that area before. And what it was, was a, was a reminder that even Death Valley isn't dead, it was just dormant. That while it seemed that there was death there, there were seeds of possibility that were there and it just needed some moisture, just needed rain. And once that rain fell, it began to give life to that whole thing. And it became something that, that, that was beautiful to look at. And your life might be the same way this morning. Your expectations, your thoughts might be dormant, you might think could never give life again, but the word of God is a seed. And no matter how small that seed is, no matter how weak and insignificant that seed seems to be, if it is watered and nurtured, it will grow and it will produce some 30 and some 60 and some 100 fold. Please don't ever give up your faith on God because he's a God of miracles. He's the God of the impossible. He is the God who will always have the last word. And so I want to ask you this morning just to worshipfully consider that and see God breathing life, breathing his breath on those areas of your life. Worship team.
Father, as we stand in this place today, I believe that the conditions are right for you to do miracles among us. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that just as the valley of dry bones produced something that was so unusual, and yet you said, breathe on us, breathe on those bones, and life would be there. And Father, I thank you this morning that right now you're breathing, that you're bringing your power, you're bringing your life in this place today. I thank you that hope is arising. I thank you that faith is being strengthened this morning. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that those things four days dead are beginning to come to life. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the God of the miraculous. Oh, Father, we praise you this morning. Would you stand with me today? We believe this at Joy Christian Center. We are a family church teaching people to reach their world. We want to make a difference in central Minnesota. But it isn't just me making a difference or just the church making a difference because the church isn't anything without its people. And if the church is going to make a difference in central Minnesota, it's only because of the difference that you're making in central Minnesota. If you're not making a difference in central Minnesota, neither is the church because we are the church. The church is not a building. We all get that, amen? And we also believe that everybody can do more than somebody can. And I, as a pastor for 25 years of this church, a family church that's teaching people how to reach their world, what's always been important to me is that you hear something on a Sunday morning that would give you something to give during the week. That instead of the church just being that last gasp of hope that I'm just struggling to get to and, and, and live for another week, instead it'd be something that puts some vitality and life into you in such a way that you're ready to take on the world. As we said, if your Sunday, if your, uh, if, if your Sunday doesn't affect your Monday, then your Sunday doesn't count. And I want us as a church to go into central Minnesota and to make a difference. And one of the things that, that becomes the theme for this week of prayer is simply that, that we would make a difference. And so I'm gonna ask you if you would, if you're standing by your spouse and, uh, or family members, grab their hands today and uh, let's just join together. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we kick off this week of prayer with this idea and this thought that you're the God of the miraculous. There wasn't a day or a time, but there is a God of the miraculous. And Father, we believe this morning that you are the resurrection, that you are the life, and that that life is on the inside of us. And we believe that, that it is that life that makes us different, that it is that life that gives us potential and possibility, not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom, not in our own righteousness, but in you, Heavenly Father, and in the gifts that you placed on the inside of us. And so, Lord, we believe this morning that this becomes a place of healing, that these people become a people of power and that wherever we go, life goes, joy goes, power goes, love goes. And Father, we believe that love is what wins and that you anoint us and that you empower us and that you give us great grace and boldness in this day, that we would carry out the resurrection life into central Minnesota, that it would be unmistakable of your power and glory and that you, Father, would receive all the praise, all the glory and all of the honor. I thank you that you're the God of the miraculous. And Lord, we speak this morning to dead bones that they would
would come alive. We speak to dead places that life would come. That, Father, there would be a mighty army marching throughout this place and this land that would bring your light and your life and your power without shame and without fear, but with great boldness, great boldness, great boldness. Father, let your spirit fall this morning. Oh, let your presence fall in this place. Oh, we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory. You're the God of the miraculous. You're the God of miracles today. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you. We thank you. Can you just sing that chorus again? The God of the miraculous, God of miracles. And I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Yeah. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's give Jesus a praise this morning. Hallelujah, God. We bless you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, again, I want to encourage you and invite you to come during our week of prayer. We're going to believe God together for a great harvest of, of souls into the kingdom of God this week as well as next week. And I want to ask you to, uh, uh, you know, we've we, we worked hard to put together a great service next week for Easter. I'd say invite a couple of people, say, hey, come to church with me and uh, uh, hear what God has, has done for us. And so we'd love to have you invite somebody. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Have an awesome rest of your week. We're so happy you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, we invite you to join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear about it. We invite you to email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.